Welcome to the Deerfield Family Theater Podcast. In this season, we're talking with the cast and production team for DFT's Disney's Beauty and the Beast, the Broadway musical. Speaking of Beauty and the Beast, the musical, in case you're tuning in and didn't already know, DFT is putting on a performance of Beauty and the Beast this November of 2023. And performances start Friday, November 10th and go through Sunday, November 19th. So while you're listening to this episode, visit DeerfieldTheater.com and get your tickets. Thank you to all of our sponsors for this year's production with a special thanks to our platinum sponsor, Mosaic Construction. Without further delay, here's the interview. Marty Carlin, the music director for Beauty and the Beast, put on by DFT this November of 2023. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Oh, happy to be here. It's always great to work with Deerfield Family Theater. Well, well, as I understand it, even though I've been with the board for three years, uh, you've been a mainstay in the community and with DFT. So how about you just tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself and about your, your past work with, with DFT? Oh, absolutely. Thank you. I've been doing theater for a number of years here, and it's kind of interesting because my first experiences were actually on stage going back about, oh, I want to say maybe 18 years or so. I got invited to be in three different productions. And in fact, I didn't have to audition, which to this day drives my wife and daughter crazy <laughs> because I didn't have to go through the audition process. And I've been on the other side of the table now for many years. And I, I see people who come in and are prepared and uh, worried and nervous and all of that. And um, somehow I, I managed to escape that. But I did three shows on stage, and then I was lucky enough to transform onto the other side to be on production staffs. I've been in a number of orchestra pits playing piano, and then I started doing some conducting, and then I became full music director, which is teaching all the music and then conducting for all the actual performances. Wow. So, I mean, I'm, I'm learning new things. This is why I love the podcast. I didn't realize you were a performer before a uh, music director. Did you study this? Was this something you did even as young as like high school or, or younger? Like what was your focus? I haven't had a whole lot of formal music training. Basically it comes down to piano lessons, but uh, I did choral work in high school and I went to Purdue University where uh, they don't actually have a school of music, but I was lucky enough to get into the Purdue Varsity Glee Club, which I don't know if you know what a Glee Club is. It's a men's chorus of about 60-some voices. And at Purdue, they're particularly good. So I'm still amazed that I was able to get in. I think it was my piano playing. But maybe I added a little plus on the tally side. But at Purdue, what's amazing is that they were so good, but they're all engineers and agriculture and science majors. There's no school of music, as I said. But with my experience in the Glee Club, I was able to perform with them around the country. And in fact, internationally, we took some international tours. I'm actually in the travel business, arranging group programs. And I was lucky enough to arrange a number of concert tours for the Glee Club to various destinations, England, South Africa, and China, and a number of places, Australia, New Zealand. So that really gave me a real deep love for singing and performing. And I've always thought that if I had the opportunity to direct music, direct or conduct a choir. And in fact, I have been conducting high holiday choirs in the area for over 40 years too. So that's always been an outlook for me, but over the last 18 years or so, as I said, I've gotten into community theater work and I've loved every minute. Yeah. Wow. So I, I went to IU, so I'm a Hoosier, but I hope you don't hold that <laughs> against me. 
Well, thank you. No, no, no. We'll be fine. <laughs> yes. For those who don't know, Purdue and IU have this rivalry or, or whatnot. I mean, it's mostly for sports, I think. Although we, we do have the music school and we're very into you music. You do indeed. Yes. You do indeed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the engineers go to Purdue and the musical people go to IU. But, but obviously that's not, you know, there's always exceptions to the rule. So, well, that's, that's fantastic. How about then for this show in particular, why, why did you want to be involved with this production? Why Beauty and the Beast? Well, that's a great question. First of all, it's a show I love, and I've been able to do it twice before. Once as a music director, I did that with Glenview. And then a year ago, I was brought in to conduct a performance with music on stage in Palatine. And each production obviously is different, but the story is so eternal. It's a tale as old as time, as they say. <laughs> the music is brilliant. The orchestrations are great. And this year we have just a tremendously talented cast that's really putting everything together. So I, I, of course, love working with Deerfield and have had some great, great experiences there. And it just kind of all lined up and I was lucky enough to be picked. Yeah. You know, people, we, they come for the great interviews to this podcast, but they stay for the puns. So always, always appreciate it. In, in case somebody's listening in and they're like, well, you know, I, I know the story, what's the point, but then like you yourself also have been on the production side. This will be your third time Beauty and the Beast. So you know, people read stories multiple times, they watch movies multiple times, but, but what is it about like live performances multiple times, even if, even if it has the shell of beauty and the beast, like what's been your perspective having done the same show multiple times, like what, what makes it different and why should people, even if they've seen it before, come and see this production? Well, as I alluded to the, the phrase tale as old as time is not just a catchphrase. The story of beauty and the beast does go back to a French tale fairy tale, essentially, called La Belle et la Bête in French. I happen to be a French major, Beauty and the Beast. And it was obviously a non-musical story to begin with. And then it became a very famous black and white silent film, I think, in the 20s and has since had uh, several iterations. But the most famous is the Disney version that we all know from the cartoon version. A few years ago, they did a live action version. And ever since it came out as a musical, it's been crisscrossing the country, not just professionally, but in community theater left. So it's, it's got a message for everybody. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. And I think it's something that you can be entertained, you can learn, you can connect with very, very easily. Yeah. Yeah. And it is one of those ones that it is great for all ages, you know, regardless of, you know, of course, little kids will love it, but, but tale as old as time, it's, there's a reason there's such resonant themes that no matter what age you are, I feel like it's a great experience. Speaking of experiences, Marty, uh, what we've been doing, longtime listeners know, is we try to get a sense of, uh, what the pandemic was like for you in particular, in relation to the arts, uh, were you you know, set to direct any, the music for any upcoming shows at the time. I mean, what was that experience like? And what is it like now that we're, for the last couple of years, we've been able to do it again? No, absolutely. I'm obviously closely connected to the theater community with a number of groups. And I knew of several groups that were ready to open. And in fact, had their opening night canceled the night, everything kind of shut down. There was a particular group in Palatine that had one show ready to go that they remounted with the actual and original cast two years later, almost to the day. They all held their places. They came back and refreshed and I give them all the credit. It was a great, great show, but that's how quickly things ground to a halt. There was absolutely nothing going on in person. 
I got involved with some other groups that did some projects via Zoom. There were some cabarets. We did some musical production numbers, uh, little video segments. So people did what they could. And maybe you saw some different things, whether it was band, orchestra, choral things. Um, Zoom is not the easiest medium to work with in terms of trying to get people coordinated. There's usually a lag time and it gets uh, really, really tricky to line things up so that it sounds pleasant. Uh, my wife is a flute teacher and she was able to do a, a flute choir performance, but it was really somewhat involved in that she had to tape herself conducting the flute choir that the kids then watched her videotape and recorded themselves. And they were all individual videos were stitched together to make a final product. But that's really the only way you can do something like that. But there's a number of YouTube clips and so forth that you can find of groups doing it very, very well. And we got through it. We got through it. We, we did, we did the, the technology has come so far, even just in these few years, because zoom in the early days, I, I mean, it's, it, it, you know, substantively, it's feels like it's mostly the same, but just the backend technology has gotten better. The as software to string those, all those different performances together. Now AI can like do it with like magic in the background. Exactly. It, right. It, it's, it's unbelievable how far we've come. It really make, makes you appreciate doing things in person simul, in simultaneous fashion, right? Yes, exactly. And it, to be honest, as we were coming out of COVID, when things were starting to be safe, to get together again. I was with another group that had the first production, but they did it outdoors in fresh air because they think that was the safest way they could at least have people. And it was very well received and, uh, and appreciated by the public at that time. And now people feel somewhat safer coming back, well, quite a bit safer, coming back to be in person in the audiences and everybody's got their own comfort level, but I think they feel pretty good about coming out now. Yeah, yeah. My my first year being with Deerfield Family Theater, the board was Schoolhouse Rock, and I think the performers were in masks, and the audience members were all in masks still. So yes, we've we've come a long way now that we can we can all not be in masks. And now for a quick break, let's learn about this year's platinum sponsor. For over 32 years, Mosaic Construction has provided outstanding renovation, remodeling, and construction services for commercial and residential property owners. They have the expertise to maximize your property's functionality, aesthetic value, and overall appeal. Mosaic Construction and their affiliated brands, Design Construction Concepts and Cannabis Facility Construction, have worked nationwide and have a diverse portfolio of projects across many real estate sectors. They understand the entire process of consulting, constructing, and transforming your property. When your collective values are aligned, the probability of exceeding your expectations is realized. They only make promises they can keep and treat each project as if it were their own home. Real estate owners and managers of all kinds recognize that they must select the right design and build firm who can help them best achieve their goals. Their clients appreciate how they deliver projects on time, within budget, and minimal disruption. Make Mosaic Construction your construction partner. That's the end of our break. And now back to the show. A lot of people who participate in community theater, like theater is not the one main thing that they do. And I think it's an important lesson for especially parents who are listening, who have kids who are interested in it, to learn about the ways that being involved in a production like this, whether it's as a cast member on the production side, help in day-to-day -day life or in jobs that might have nothing to do with theater. So I'm just curious to get your perspective on that. 
Well, that's a, a great question. There's so many benefits to participating in a project like community theater. You're a part of a team that's all pulling in the same direction. You're all accomplishing something that's very worthwhile. For somebody that's new to theater, you're learning the art of theater. There's a lot that is there to learn, whether it's uh, how things move on stage and how people get ready for costumes and warm-ups and memorization and all of this, taking direction, improving. There's really a lot of life lessons and it, it's a great social activity as well. You make friends in theater who are your friends for life. I've got people that I've known for many, many, many years only because I was involved in theater. And the same thing is possible for anybody else who would like to give it a try. I love it. That's a great pitch to get involved. That's fantastic. So you've been involved for a long time, as you mentioned, locally, you know, locally eight, 18 years. Certainly over those years, you've had maybe some favorite performances that you either acted in and or uh, directed the music of. Just what have been some of the, the highlights of your career that you'd like to share? Like some favorites. I won't make you pick a favorite, but let's <laughs> give, give us, give us a, a few of them. Spr sprinkle a few favorites. Well, you know, you're almost asking uh, a parent, what is your favorite child? <laughs> Yo, and that's What were their favorite, well, what was your favorite product from that child, from multiple children? Like, you know, like, multiple children. Yeah. Well, there's different answers depend and for different reasons. I did uh, a number of shows twice and uh, they're never quite the same. I've done Music Man. There was a moment in Music Man where I had like a 26 piece orchestra. And they're wailing on 76 trombones and I'm up in the middle of it, just bathed in the sound. And I literally, if not figuratively, had to pinch myself and say, how lucky are you to be sitting here with this enormous orchestra doing this fabulous th sound, you know, uh, wrapping you uh, up in it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's the stuff dreams are made of. Yeah. I've done other things where... I've been moved to tears, for example, and not just Beauty and the Beast. There's been other things where the beauty of the show, it just on the finale, for example, you know that as you're conducting it, the audience is about to erupt in applause because you've touched them. They've enjoyed it thoroughly. And it's, for example, the final moments of Into the Woods. Beauty and the Beast is another, but there's others like that, that you, if you've done a good job and fortunately we've done some pretty good jobs in the past. Uh, you can sit back and uh, be happy for the cast and the, the company because it's it's their efforts being rewarded and recognized. Yeah, that is, that's an incredible experience to try to imagine. I can only imagine <laughs> uh, be, being in your shoes in those moments. Um, but then when you take off the hat of I'm on the production team and you just sit in the audience and go enjoy a show, whether it's local theater or Broadway, like what have been some of your favorite shows that you've been to just as an audience member over the years? Oh my goodness. I was fortunate enough a year or so ago to see Music Man on Broadway with Hugh Jackman and Sutton Foster, the two superstars. We made a special trip to New York to see them while they were still performing. And that seeing them on Broadway was really, really memorable. Um, we've been so fortunate to have some great, you know, shows come through here. There's shows that, you know, I find I'm surprised at and that things that resonate with me that I hadn't really anticipated, but I've really found the most rewarding experiences to be the ones I've, I've participated in really, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, 
this is so if anyone's listening thinking you know i it's been great just being an audience member now's your chance to get involved right we're always we're always looking for more people to get involved of all all ages love Hugh Jackman i've also been told and my wife can corroborate this at a dinner we were once at i look like a bald Hugh Jackman <laughs> so, I'll take it. I'll absolutely take it. Do I have, uh, uh, you know, 10% of his talent? No, but I, I look like him. So it's a, it's okay. Could be a uh, body double for sure. A, a, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, uh, just throw me in a wig for people who have seen the, the, obviously the, the animated movie or even the, the live action one, and they've never seen the, the live musical version of the show. Like what are some of the differences that they can look forward to? As far as the, the difference between the cartoon animated version and the live show or? Well, well, yeah, just like, you know, like, as I understand it, there's some music maybe that they haven't heard before if they've never heard the, the Broadway musical version of it. That's true. There are a few differences from the, perhaps the very first version they saw. And in fact, what we are performing right now is technically what they're calling an updated version. There was a time when they had this updated version that came out like a year or so ago versus the original and now they've taken the original and there's a couple of things for example the the original play and the original movie had the uh, fight in the tower with all the animated characters fending off uh, the villagers um i think in the essence of minimizing violence even though it was cartoonish the current version takes that out and it really is just the sh final showdown between the beast and gaston there's a couple other things. I think some of the vocal arrangements and orchestrations are a little different than what people heard the first time around. So definitely lots of reasons to come out and see what's, what's new and different and current. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And then, you know, sp speaking of differences in music, uh, let's talk about music of musicals in general. Let's assume this, this is a question that we've been asking all of our recent guests. Let's assume somebody can go see a musical because you can't always, is it okay assuming you can go see it, to listen to the soundtrack before seeing the musical? What do you think? That's an excellent question. The one example that comes to mind is Hamilton, because the CD became very popular for a good year or so before it really came around in person to see a stage version of it. And I think it really benefited from it because the CD had revelatory, absolutely groundbreaking music. And it took a number of times to listen to it, to A, get used to it, to B, to understand some of the lyrics. And then when you saw it on stage, everything fell into place in terms of context. What did this song mean? And why was this person singing it? How did it fit in the overall uh, stream of the plot line and so forth? But being familiar with the lyrics and the singing and the characters a little bit before going to see it was definitely an advantage. And I think there's other plays like that too, these days. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, who doesn't want more music in their life? Don't just wait to go see the show and listen to the music. Correct. Well, well, it's been a pleasure getting to know you, Marty. If there, is there any, any last, last teasers or things that we could, we could tell? Not, I mean, well, I guess we should really say tickets are selling out, <laughs> but like other than like get your ticket while they're, while they still last, this is your chance to put butts in seats to, to the, this year's Beauty and the Beast. What's your, what's your best pitch? Why if people aren't convinced yet, they should come see the show. Well, my final pitch is of course we're, I, we will promote any show that we're working on, but 
from the moment we had auditions, I think our production staff felt that there was what we call an embarrassment of riches in terms of the talent level, the people that came out for this, the talent level of the people who are ultimately cast. And I now see the vision of the other members of production team in terms of costumes, in terms of sets, in terms of everything. So we're getting the absolute best of all worlds with a tried and true score and a beautifully multi-million dollar renovated theater, which enhances everybody's theater going experience considerably over what we've been uh, enjoying in the, in the last few years. But it's just going to be a remarkable, remarkable theater experience. Good for all ages. Definitely worth coming. And I, we've mentioned this in past the recent interviews for, for this season, but the theater itself is, has been refreshed. That's so, it. Exactly. Yeah, Beautiful I mean, lights and sound and seats and everything. So yes, well worth it. Yes. Well, Marty, thanks again for, for coming on the podcast. My pleasure. I, I appreciate your time. And that's our show. Please share this podcast to help support the work of Deerfield Theater. An even better way to support us is go see Beauty and the Beast. Visit DeerfieldTheater.com to purchase tickets. As always, links are in the show notes. And thanks again to this production's platinum sponsor, Mosaic Construction. Please follow us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on your preferred listening app to never miss an episode. Until next time, thanks to everyone who continues to support the arts. We'll see you at the theater.